Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 28 of License to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jane. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, well, I gotta be honest, Matt. I'm having a little bit of a time. Oh, no. Yeah, well, okay. This is... Yeah, this is like, you know, like hashtag first world problems. But, um... So I was in the store, a store, uh-huh. the other day. Not the store, just a store. So I was in a store the other day. We are not yet I at heard... the point where there is only one store. Rapidly yeah, sure, close again, you. but not yet. <laughs> um, so I was at my local Amazon, which is the only store left, uh, the other sure, day. Sure. And I heard, this isn't going to sound bad to begin with, but stay with me. I heard a Beach Boys song, and it's one that I really like. But like, I don't listen to a ton of the Beach Boys, right? Sure. And so I'm not like... Oh, it's Sloop John B or what you know, it's not one of their like super famous ones that I you're immediately like know exactly what the song is, right? Sure. But it is a song that I really like. And I heard it and I was like, oh man, I haven't heard this song in, you know, forever, right? Because like I don't really listen to the radio. And um Well, I mean, even if you're listening to the radio a lot, I don't think you're gonna hear that many Beach Boys songs in a regular rotation these days. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the oldies anyways, none of Dude, this is the point. That's not even true because the oldies stations now play like eighties music. Oh, holy cats, you're right. Oh, I know, um, I know, okay. I know. Our our bones are dust. I know. So <laughs> so anyways, here's the problem. I don't remember what song it is. And I don't remember how it goes. And and you couldn't download Shazam fast enough to solve this problem for and you? And like, right. And I did not, well, I didn't think about it. Because like I had the kids with me. We were just like walking around. But the, here's the problem, right? Is uh, now, now you're living in that situation of that one episode of Pete and Pete. Yes. Yes. And it's a Beach Boys song. And all I remember it about it is that it's about like, a girl from last summer or something, which is useless. That's non-information. That's information chaff. Right? Sure. It's it, like if it's about a girl and summertime, that is like half their catalog. Exactly. So I've just been sort of like clicking. I'm like, I'm on YouTube, just sort of like clicking through songs. Be like, nope, nope, nope. This isn't. And just growing increasingly frustrated. Not like right now, right now, but I, I was doing it before. Um, Man, that was a good episode of Pete and Pete though, right? You know, Matt, the episode you're talking about rings a bell, but I don't quite remember it. Oh, dude. Okay. This episode of Pete and Pete is basically exactly what you're talking about. Little Pete is walking through the woods and he sees a band in a garage, like practicing, like having band oh, practice. Oh, yes. And he and it's actually, it's Polaris, I think. They bring yes. the... Yeah. Yeah. And he like cannot find it. And then at the very end, he sort of like, he somehow finds it again. Right. Right. He's like trying to learn, like he's trying to remember it and he's trying to find them. And then eventually I think at the end of the episode, he gives up on trying to find them and just like learns how to play guitar so he can write his own songs. Um, it's, it's a really nice episode. Anyway, Pete, Dude, this I have is a similar... not a Pete and Pete podcast, although it should be oh, maybe. Is there a Pete and Pete podcast? I mean, there's a podcast that is, uh, the two actors who played Pete and Pete talking every week. Well, that does sound very good. Man, it's that great. was a it's great called, show. Uh, it's called The Adventures of Danny and Mike. Oh, I like that. That's nice. I have a similar experience with the song. I heard it's in Spanish, and uh, I heard it like from one of the dishwashers one time when I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. I've never heard it again, and I only remember like two lines of it. And the problem is, is that the, the lines that I remember, it just says, cuando, cuando, cuando. And so anything you search is obliterated by Tom Jones singing. Oh, sure. <laughs> Tell me when you would be mine. So um, that's a sort of song-oriented existential hell that I exist in. Um, right on. Yeah. Cool. yeah. You know what's another fun existential cool hell, Dave? is episode 28 of Kekiso Sentai Car Ranger. <laughs> wow, I did not plan that, but you're not wrong. <laughs> Um, I did not plan it until I was about halfway through the sentence, but yeah, it kind of works. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, we are watching episode 28 of Kekiso Sentai Car Ranger. It is called Farewell Signal Man. Uh, it was written by Yoshio Urasawa. Its original air date was September 6th, 1996. You can, of course, watch along with us on either the DVDs or on ShoutFactory.tv. And, uh, hey, Car Ranger's been really good recently. So if you like these shows and you've been waiting for a time for us to, like, really tell you to start watching it, start watching it. Jump the, back, uh, like, three episodes and actually start watching the show. It's good. Here it is. This is your invitation. Brace yourself for Tapu. If you haven't seen him yet, it's as, it's worse than you think. It's worse than you think. <laughs> anyway, Dave, but before we jump into that, as always, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to hear what our first star of the week is? Sure would. Well, Dave, as you may recall, last week we did not have an episode because we were really busy all weekend. We, uh, yeah. Uh, it was our it was our annual uh, retrograde orbit studios slash like old college friends uh, get together. Yeah, it was really lovely. And this year, in an effort to like be a little less like everyone sleeping on top of each other and uh, give you guys a little bit of a break in like having everybody jammed into your house, uh, we rented a Airbnb that was like a few blocks away from where you live so we could sort of bounce back and forth a little bit. But here's what's really weird about it, Dave, is that I was the first one to show up at the Airbnb because I just came straight from work. Yeah. Um. So I just like popped over and got there. I actually took like a half day at work and I got there a little early. Um. And so I rolled in and I got there like... At the exact moment that you were allowed to get there. Uh -huh. And so I was the first one there. But as I have just mentioned, this Airbnb is a mile away from where you live. Not even. It was like, you know, yeah. four-fifths of a mile. And I also used to live in, you know, in and around that neighborhood. Not in that, that, that neighborhood exactly, but it, like generally... But like pretty right close. And you also spend a fair amount of time at my house. Like... Right. So... I was the first one at the Airbnb, and, like, I used the door code to get in, and I'm wandering around. But the thing is that I've done Airbnbs before, but they're always, like, out in the country or they're in a different city, and I'm usually there with other people. But this was just me going to a house, like, a regular house in a neighborhood that I know... And, like, opening the door and walking in and wandering around by myself and just, like, opening cupboards. And it felt really weird. Like, it felt like I was, like, breaking into a place. But, like, no, I, I was supposed to be there. It, it was, like, the most gentle breaking and entering ever. Because I wasn't, I wasn't breaking. You were just entering. I was just entering. Right. It was a really bizarre experience. So, there are some Airbnb... I don't know how, like, much airbnb you do, um... But, like, some Airbnbs are very clearly, like, nobody lives there. Yeah. Like, this is just set up as, like, a business, as, like, a mini hotel, and, like, this is a business that somebody has. Right. Um, and those are the worst Airbnbs, I find. Because they don't have, they have the things in them that if you are not totally thinking about it, you'll be like, oh, this is all the stuff that, like, someone would want in a weekend. Sure. But like, it isn't actually all the stuff, but you don't, the business owner does not think about it because they don't live there. So, oh, so like perfect example, you and I and dad, when we did that weekend earlier this summer, uh, yeah. that Airbnb did not have a cutting board. Right. And it's one of those things that like, like you move into a new place and you unpack and you're like, okay, everything's cool. And then, a week later, you realize, like, oh, gosh, I only have one frying pan and I don't have any cutting boards. Like, somehow right. that must and have gotten lost like, in the move and you go to the store and you pick it up. But if you, you, yeah, run you an, if you run an Airbnb, you never have a moment where you're just cooking dinner over there and realize that you need a cutting board. Yeah, precisely. So, like, the best Airbnbs are the ones where it's like, this is just somebody's house and, like, all the things that you need are here because, like, they're here for them because they live here. Well, okay, yes and no, because that is but, better in that regard. But on the but other hand... But it's also much, much weirder. So much weirder. <laughs> because that's definitely somebody's house and you're just in it? Right, like, if you're going to an Airbnb that is not, like, regularly lived in, you're sleeping in a bed. If you go to an Airbnb right. that someone is usually living in, you're sleeping in that person's bed. And that's yeah. a weird thing to do. 
yup, yeah, it's all very straight. Like, I do, like, I genuinely, like, Airbnbs, like, beat hotels virtually on all fronts. Like, I still, they're great, but, like... Except for the weirdness some, factor. Like, there's always there, a weirdness. Except for the weirdness. There's always a weirdness factor there. There's not a way around it. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, Dave, <laughs> what is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, I'm having a little bit of deja vu about it. So if, I've t- if I talked about this four years ago, please forgive me. Because that's when I would have done it. Beth and I were driving down uh, around and we see some signs. And they're like election signs, which is why I think I may have talked about this four years okay. ago. And the signs just say, cable for judge. And obviously, and obviously they're just mind- talking about... Steve Cable or whatever. Right. They're but not, they don't they're not say, necessarily saying, you know, Nathan Dayspring, Charles Ascanis, and Summers. Yes, they're not like, but they don't say Bob's Cable for Judge. They just say Cable for Judge. And, <laughs> and I just so we're driving and I just start laughing. And Beth is like, you just thought of something dumb, didn't you? And it's like, this sign says Cable for Judge. And then she started laughing because she followed me on it. Uh, and so I just am imagining... So first of all, I mentally filled in jury and executioner. <laughs> but not the executioner, because that's a totally different but guy. Totally, completely different dude. Um, and also not the jury like skin. the people with, in that green armor that fought Spider-Man that one time. Did not remember them. Man, remember Skin? Hell yeah, I remember Skin. Skin yeah, was dude, great. Gen X comic was rad. Uh, anyways, so... Then I just started imagining a universe in which Cable was also a judge, just in like a small Ohio town, <laughs> you know, 40, 40 minutes southeast of Cleveland. Well, you know, and Dave, I, couldn't I, just... I, I don't think that would work out super well, but I do think it would be okay if he was in New York, because I remember from some X-Force comic that like... Cable has passed the New York bar. Like, he is a like allowed to practice law in the state of New York. That's the most beautiful thing I've heard all day. Um, I couldn't decide if I liked it better. If Cable just, like... If it was definitely Cable with his, like, weird glowing eye and, like, you know, techno-organic virus arm in, like, a, a judge's robe. Or if it was... and Or if it was just, like, full-on... Lee Field cable with like giant shoulder pads and like a million pouches, but sitting at a judge's bench with like his, you know, man sized rifle. Well, Dave, I, um, I think and the, when I say man sized, sure. I don't mean sized for a man. The I size mean of the a size man. of. Yeah, precisely. Um, I, I think either version is good. I think the best version, for me at least, is that he's wearing his full, like, early X-Force costume, and then he has tried to fit the robe on over it, but it can't get on over, like, really over the pouches and shoulder pads. So it's just sort of, like, draped over him awkwardly. <laughs> um, anyways, that's a, that's a dumb errant thought that I had. <laughs> um, and I just really... I'm tickled by it. What, Matt, is our third star of the week? Dave, our third star of the week is that um, it is football season again, Dave. Today. Shit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, okay. Oh, yeah, because the Browns lost yesterday, I think. Uh, today. It was just a few hours ago. Got um, it. Which I only know because it was on the TV at the laundromat where I was for a couple of hours. Uh, today was a... You know, normally, well, okay, you don't go to the laundromat. Normally, the laundromat is not. go and do, like, your clothes. But then, every once in a while, it's go and do your clothes and your towels and your sheets. And that was today, and so it took forever. And so I watched, like, half of a football game while I was doing that. Anyway, it's football season. You know, there's some, some there's a crispness in the air, etc. Dave, do you remember last year when when the Browns started the season... Okay, let me jump back a year further. Do you remember two seasons ago where the Browns had not won a game the entire season? I remember that that happened, And yes. then the season prior to that, they'd only won, like, one game. There was a period where there had been, like, multiple Star Wars movies released in between the Browns winning football games. 
Yes, this yes, this sounds familiar. Yeah. That right there is a metric that I can sure. I can gauge by. So, um last year they did this thing where they got these refrigerators. Bud Light and Browns like went in on this thing where they got these refrigerators and they filled them with Bud Light beer and they chained them closed. And the This is a very good promotion by the right, way. Right. And the and the and the lock that held the chains closed was attached to like it had like a satellite up like I don't, I forget exactly how it worked. I don't it know a, if it was that high tech. It was attached like... to some electronic, you know, internet thing. And so the fridge the fridge could not be unlocked until the Browns won a game. And then once the Browns won a game, the fridges would all automatically unlock themselves. And then if you happened to be in a bar that had bought one of these fridges or had one of them placed there, I don't know how it worked. Um, the beers in the fridges were free because it was like this big celebration of the Browns winning a game. Finally. You know, this is a right? this is a very very good promotion. It's a very Cleveland promotion drink, as well. I would drink that Bud Light. Sure. I would drink it. So they did it last year. Huge hit. Everybody loved it. Um, you know, like it was a very popular promotion. And so this year they're coming around and they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to make these fridges again. But Dave, the reason that it was a good promotion before is because we hadn't won a game in a year and a half. And yeah. so, like, it was very likely that we would go an entire season without winning a game. Like, that would not have been a huge shocker for me. But this year, today's game notwithstanding, I understand that the Browns actually look okay and will probably win at least a few games. So, like, it totally, it, it feels as though it has completely missed the point point of what made it a good idea to begin with but none of that matters dave here's what does matter this is that this is all been lead up to what i'm going to tell you uh-huh the way that they were selling the refrigerators this year was that they uh had a little like pop-up shop there was a there's like a salon on west 25th street that's currently under renovation so it wasn't in operation so okay. like the browns slash bud light Went to like rented that building, Bought, or, okay. like rented yeah. that storefront for a couple of days, totally like kitted it out with all this stuff, you know, decorated it, had like neon lights inside, had like wacky tube men on the roof. And they had that set up to sell the Bud Light Browns Victory refrigerators to just sort of whoever to just whoever you could like you could buy big ones to put in a bar or you could buy little ones to put in your house. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Whatever. But Dave, the thing that is significant about this is that this so this salon that is currently under renovations is right next door to the bar that I normally go to. So I watched this entire thing get like installed and it took a long time, especially for something that was only open for 2 days to sell one product. It took a oh, long wow. a lot yeah. of time and money. And people that were seems... like people lined up down the block to walk into this thing. But they had sold out of the fridges almost immediately because there were way more people than there were refrigerators. So after the first hour, apparently people were just walking waiting in line to walk into an empty store to buy something that wasn't there that would then later be shipped to them. Wow. But none of that matters, Dave. The thing that this I ultimately seems... wanted okay, to tell to so you. I know, but to say that, like, they have missed the point of the... Pro Maybe we're... Because clearly people are interested. Clearly, man. I don't know. It's... Listen, it's early in a Browns season, and that's when Cleveland is really into the Browns. If they tried to do this in three months, I doubt they would get much of a line. Um. Anyway, all of that, again, is still a uh, preamble. The actual story here is that the guy who they got to, like hawk these fridges and, like, do a commercial for them and show up on the day to, like, be there to shake people's hands and say, yes, please buy these fridges, was WWE superstar The Miz. Nice. Who is from, well, he's from Parma, but with, that's very close to Cleveland. It's essentially Cleveland. That's that's as much Cleveland as where you are is Cleveland. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it's in the, it's in the greater, it's in the zone. Yeah, it's definitely in the zone. And so... I'm just, I'm at, I'm at the bar, I'm on the back patio, and I look across the back, like, the, the little parking lot behind the bar, and I'm like, is that the Miz? 
because at this point it was like later in the afternoon, right? He was already done with all of his like promotional stuff, and he was just like wandering around in this like like little back parking lot, like you know, loading stuff into his car. I'm like that is the Miz, and oh, so he just like I don't know why. That makes the whole thing better. Like he was loading stuff into his car. Like well, he, did he was not he have... was loading himself into his car. He wasn't like doing labor or anything. No, I'm just saying I like the idea that he like did not I don't know have a driver or something. It just makes more sense to me. Like, yeah, dude, I just I drove over. Yeah. I was visiting my mom or something. I don't know. Yeah, and so like I had this moment of like, I should go say hi. I should go get my picture taken with the Miz. And then I didn't. I sat down, and I'm like, yeah, that's the Miz over there. Because I was like, I don't often get starstruck, and I did not think that WWE superstar The Miz would be the thing to do it. But for some reason, I just had that moment of like, eh, I don't want to bug him. He's fine over there. He doesn't need to talk to me. But then two of my friends walked over, and they got pictures with him. And there's no, like, conclusion to this story, other than my deep, like, regret and dissatisfaction. But it was a whole day, and I just needed to tell you about it. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, bud. Um, That's fine. Listen, The Miz is from Cleveland. The likelihood that you will never see that dude around Cleveland again seems low. Right, but I'm probably not going to see him, like, from my normal chair again. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I mean, the, the likelihood of that is slightly lower. Anyway, Dave, what is our third star, or fourth, rather, star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, it's just a weird experience I had. So we were driving around Cable for Judge. Sure. And uh, the reason we were down in this part of Ohio was that we went to this little festival. It's called the Yankee Peddler. And it's like a, it's like a renaissance fair, except it's a like early Ohio colonial fair. Okay. Okay. So like that's sort of the, the zone, right? So it, it was celebrating we're... Ohioana. Ohio, yes, precisely. Uh, which is the that... which is the Ohio specific version of Americana for yeah, anyone pres- curious. Yeah. And I, so, that is not a term eh. that I made up. That's a thing. Is it really? Oh yeah. Okay. Dig it. That... I don't know how many things are on that list, but whatever. And I say this as a proponent of Ohio, like I'm a fan. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So it's sort of like any time in between, like colonial ex- exploration and like, mm, like. Immediately, like, post-Civil War. Sure. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like arts and crafts and handicrafts. And there's, like... There's there's somebody with an anvil. Yeah, there's, like, a dude with an anvil. And people are, like, weaving. And uh, some of it is just sort of, like, straight-up craft fair. And that was less interesting. But some of it is, like, you know, a little more more old-timey. So that's, that's neat. Uh... Some of the vendors, like food vendors specifically, you could tell that like they had their Renaissance Fair costumes mm-hmm. and they were just like rocking it. They're just like, we don't care. You know, we're here to sell you. Anyways, then none of this is the point. Here's the really weird thing. Uh, there were Civil War reenactors, which in and of itself is not like super strange, right? This is like period appropriate. Sure. Uh, the weird part is that they were Confederate reenactors. Which, if you're listening to this and you you don't know, Ohio, definitely part of the Union. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of it. There was, like, apparently, I think there was some part, like, way deep south that, like, sent... I think all of Ohio was, like, officially Union. I think there were some soldiers who, like, went and fought for the Confederacy, like, from down South Ohio. But, like, the part of Ohio that we are from is definitely in the Union. Oh, sure. And so, I was like, well, first of all, walking around with my black kids. Sure. I was a little bristled. I can understand that. But I also was a little bristled. Like, my man, like, you're in the wrong state, rebel. Like, right. this is not, no. And like, no, people were not really like interacting with them. And I feel like from the looks on their faces, they maybe were like, 
realizing that this was not it was just very weird because it was like man i like i don't even know why they're a confederate like did you travel up right do you just own these outfits and you just travel to regional fairs where it seems like like period appropriate for you to be there because it like because there was no again, period they, where it was appropriate for Confederate soldiers to be in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was just like had I been in Beth was telling me that there was like a sort of a she lived in Alabama for a little bit, and uh, there was like a a similar sort of thing, and they had Confederate reenactors there in Alabama, and they only reenacted battles that the Confederates won. Sure, Alabama. And that's, a, it, that's a weird thing. But you're in Alabama, so like, okay. I mean, not really, but sure, you're doing it. Uh, to do it in Ohio, especially and again, I want to reiterate Northern Ohio because Southern, Southern Ohio, Ohio is basically the Deep South. Like Southern Ohio is way more Southern than Northern Kentucky, and that's a fact. Yeah, that's a yeah, that is a that is a dead on fact. Um. In a, in a way that I don't fully understand. Uh, it was just a bizarre... And I did. Like, I had like I had definite feelings about it that were, like, again, in part, like, I'm walking around with my black kids. But also were definitely in part, like, like how dare you? Like, this is union country. <laughs> like, tr- like, traitor. Traitor and treason at <laughs> wrong state. Like, I was, like, angry about it. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so anyways, it was just this, like, it was this bizarre experience. Um, I don't understand. This leads me into a further point that I do not understand the idea of being a Confederate reenactor. I mean, I don't it's understand like, playing don't, the Horde in World of Warcraft either, but. I was going to yeah, well, I mean, okay, but like Horde versus Alliance, like that's theoretically like a battle that's still ongoing. Sure. Whereas, and actually the Horde was a lot more reasonable. Yeah, like then the Confederacy, Confederacy, not the Alliance. Right, right. It's like Confederacy. Y'all definitely lost, though. Like, oh, definitely. in a big way. Like there in are a paintings big way. about it. This does not seem like something you'd want to reenact. Like, even if you were pro Confederacy. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what? Yeah, is our is our fifth star of the week? Yeah, our fifth star of the week is way more chill than that. I took a walk the other day. Wah, 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 wah. This is a walk update. This, this, this is a walk update. It's a walk update. Walk update. Do you want to like sing walk update so that Mark can like cut it and put it in if he wants? Oh yeah, sure. So, okay. So you would have to do like the. This. Is a walk update. It's a walk update. Walk update. Walk update. Oh, how nice! Yeah. So you know, I I, I take I take walks fairly regularly. I've got sort of a regular loop. Where I leave mm-hmm. from my place, I sort of walk up to Edgewater, I look out over the lake at the city, then I turn around and walk back. Yes, I'm, I'm aware I'll, of I'll, I'll mix it up sometimes, but that's my general walk. I take that walk, I'm going to say, on average, three, four times a week. Not every day, but, you know, half the time about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody was going to assassinate you, like, this is how they would Oh, 100%. Do. That's why I'm not saying which streets. Um... <laughs> I'm, you know, got to keep your head on a swivel. Anyway, so I'm walking down the street and I turn, I I see a big pile of like construction wood in the yard of a house. And I think, oh, I guess one of these houses is having some work done. I look to the right and I say, no, there are, they are putting a house where previously there had not been a house. Now, here's what's weird about that, Dave. There are two things. One, I do not regret. Don't think of their being a lot of space around you. Well, that's the thing. I do not recall either 
there being enough yard in that spot for someone to put a house. And I want you to know, I have paid attention to where there is enough yard to put a house. I have like a sort of a mental map of where those empty lots are that I think about sometimes if I ever buy a lottery ticket. Um, and like, this is not one of those spots. And also, like I said, I take this walk every couple of days. I would have noticed if somebody knocked down a house, I think. Unless they knocked down a house in like a 24-hour period and then by the next day we're already building the new house. So now I just have no idea what is going on in this zone because it feels impossible, but I like walk past it three times a week and I see them putting this house in a spot where it seems impossible for them to be building a new house. And, like, there's enough room. It's not like it's super crowded. There's definitely huh. room for a house. There's a driveway for a house. I think. It's, it's it, like, already there? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, like... The, the, I mean, it doesn't take a terribly long time to knock down a house. Like... Yeah, but it takes... It's a pretty a, straightforward operation. It takes a while to get rid of a knocked down house. You know? Like, a, an empty lot looks different than a lot that had very recently had a house in it. Is there grass? Yeah. There's grass on the yard. I feel like that you. I think you must have just missed the demolition, man. You have to have. It, uh, Dave, it's possible. It just seems crazy to me that like I could have missed that much de- like that much work in that little time. Uh, Matt, we live in a crazy world. The Miz is hanging out at Dave's. There's Confederate reenactors in Northern Ohio. Somebody knocked down a house. You didn't notice. It's a funny old world. It is. Anyway, Dave, you know what else is a funny old world? Is the world of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. We're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 28 of that very show, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So, Dave, Signal Man. Signal Man. Is good. Farewell. Name of the episode, Farewell Signal Man. Uh, that's, that's actually what happens. Well, for now. But yeah, no, I imagine that dude will be back. Maybe I don't know, man, because like there are other things that have yet to be introduced in this show. Yeah, this act. Well, okay, let's just talk about it because I feel like we're just going to start getting into stuff and it's going to be weird. Okay, so as we start off, Signal Man is riding his motorcycle. He is riding around looking for Ichitaru, who, if you recall, was kidnapped at the end of last episode by yep. the Bozok, and he's just like my son. Um, so there is, we're going to get to this, there's a bigger spot of this later in the episode, um, but it's very confusing because here's a problem with Signal Man. His face is just like a mold, right? Right. It's just like a helmet and part of it looks like a face, except it isn't and it doesn't move. And this episode features a lot of Signal Man, like internal narration, like voiceover. And it's sometimes very difficult to tell. Because it's not, like when he's alone, like okay, like it's voiceover, but like he'll be talking to people and then he will just flip, and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be voiceover, and you cannot tell because this dude's <laughs> face doesn't move. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Um, like the the actor in the suit does a great job of emoting without being able to use his face. I think we've called him out for that for doing that before. Yeah, he does. I mean. But like, Given boy, he has like a giant robot shoulder pads and no facial expression. Right. Like the dude crushes it. But like, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Yeah, but if all you have is audio, it gets weird. Uh, so, anyways, he's like, "I am my son," because his signal son is in space on planet police. And uh, he then he's like, "But I can't, I can't think about going home because I've got to like a fight the Bozok and uh, and b." Like, I have to save each other. I have to save my right? Earth son. I have to save my substitute Earth son. And then he were. I forgot this from last episode. He's like reminiscing. There's like a little cartoon that Signal Son drew of Signal Man and himself. Like, it's a, a very good cartoon for a child of that age. And also just like adorable. Like, I'm d- dying. Like, Signal Man, just go see. Like,. Like, now it makes more sense. Like, all right, Ichitaro has been kidnapped. Like, you do, yeah, save Ichitaro. Your son is not in, like, imminent death. Save so far Ichitaro. As we know. But then, like, as far as we know, uh, he wouldn't know. Be- I mean, he got a letter. So I, you know, at least in the moment, he's okay. Uh, delivered by the Earth Mail from space. 
So we, we cut to Barbarian. And Ichitaru is tied up on a chair. That chair is on, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Dave? A palanquin? A palanquin, thank you. He's tied up in, like, a, sure. a, like a chair slash throne on a palanquin because he is to be the centerpiece for the Bozoak Festival. Yes! Which everyone is getting super hype about. Uh, and it is the, it's the annual Bozoak Festival, mm-hmm. and it is headed up by their chief... Festival planner? Uh, um, he is described specifically, Dave, as their number one festival guy. Uh, and his name is H.H. Washoishoy. I think the pronunciation is kind of off. Um, and the rest of the Bozok are going to chant his name later. And so I am not sure if this is like a take on, if this is like a pun based on like a like a traditional festival chant that was my guess but then i did that not look seems... it up to check if i was right but it seems like it could be right that seems like the sort of sh- joke that this show would make and dave the the weird thing about hh washoishoi is that like his whole look and the look of this entire festival is very specifically like a japanese festival which I know yeah. because we saw a very similar festival in Cocky Ranger. Right? Yeah. It that was like a weird Okay, and like, like I get in it. Cocky because Ranger this it makes is sense, a... right? In Cocky Ranger, the whole thing is themed around Japanese mythology. But this show is based around mean car aliens. And the fact that they are just like getting really into this Japanese style thing leads me to assume one of two things. Thing number one is that the concept of, like, this particular Japanese festival is so universal that it has, like, crossed the cosmos to, like, become what the Bozok do and has, like, formed H.H. Wishoishoi's entire life, right? That's option number one. Option number yep. two is that H.H. Wishoishoi, as their number one festival guy, the minute they got to a new planet was like, okay, at some point in this year, we're doing the festival. I'm going to do it themed, like, I'm do it themed I'm around it. this world what's the best festival to do here? And then he's just like gotten a whole new costume and gotten everybody into doing this particular thing. Yes. Oh, okay. Matt, I just, I took a second to look it up and his name, it, that is totally correct. His name is based on a cry, according to the wiki, a cry uttered by the participants in Japanese festivals during the shouldering of a, uh, of a Mikoshi, a portable shrine. So this is... ah. Yeah, like this is is totally in in line. Oh, and for the um, for the purposes of this festival, like Ichitaru tied to the chair is the portable shrine. Oh yes. So here's the plan. He's like, this is gonna be great. Uh, we are going to blow up this entire solar system, planet by planet, and we're gonna finish with the, with the Ursh. Uh, it's gonna be amazing, and everybody thinks this is killer. Uh, so Instructor Richie Hiker, everybody leaves, and they're like chanting. And uh, Beauty Zanette is left, and Instructor Richie Hiker rolls over, and she, he's like, "Hey, Zanette, what's um, what's up with this festival?" And she's like, "Dude, I'm kind of busy." Like, she definitely blows him off. She's like, "Look it up in the Bow Dictionary," which is the best thing. The Bow Dictionary, everybody, is a beautifully and lovingly bound and printed, like, I mean, it's dictionary size. It's huge. Yeah. it's like a thousand pages presumably of just like Bozoak specific stuff and there's just, just a copy on the table. Uh, so, so Richie Hiker opens it up and flips to the entry on the Bozoak's annual festival. And here's what he discovers. Is that and I wrote this down. Once a year in order to heal the mind and the body the Bozoak gather the evil energy in the universe into a soul. Oh. All the evil energy in the universe. Into a special portable shrine. They then ferment it instantly and turn it into a powerful drink. The entire Bozoak drink it together. So, here's what that looks like. Yeah, because that's just what they're saying. Dave, please describe to me what the imagery of this is. Because it is harrowing. Yeah, so, here's what we see. We see a young boy, and he's tied to a chair. I'm pretty sure we see Ichitaru. Yeah, 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 it's Ichitaru. Uh, And then the Bozoak are all, like, dancing around him and chanting. 
And then there's red lightning that flashes across the sky, and it strikes Ichitaru. And then all the bozok just pull out straws and uh, I think presumably just jam them into his body. Mm-hmm. Yes. And everybody just starts, just starts drinking. As though they are giant spiders and he a caught fly. Yeah. Uh, and then we slowly get that sort of like fade, fade out transformation. And then we just see like a, a horrifyingly semi-realistic, just sort of like green, desiccated boy corpse mm-hmm. uh, on this chair. And the Bozoak are like, yes, another festival it was our best one yet. Another great year for the Bozoak. Great job, H.H. Washoishoi. He drank that boy right up. Yup. Um, my notes just say in all caps, Welp, that's horrifying. Yeah, my, my notes go into a lot of capital letters here. It's pretty yeah, it's, bad. It's, it's all very bad. Uh, so we go from there. I mean, spoiler alert, this does not happen. Uh... We go back to the base. Everybody's kind of stuck. Like, nobody nobody knows what to do. We see Dapu. He's asleep. Uh, foreshadowing. He's like, oh, I'm tired all the time these days. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the rangers come in. They're like, Dapu, do you know what's going on? He's like, I got no idea. I'm no help. Uh, Kyosuke and Yuko walk in. And the other ranger's like, do you know anything? They're like, mm, we weren't able to find him either. Yeah, Dave, do, at this point, do you think that the car rangers know that Barbarian exists? Because they're just looking around Tokyo for him. I feel like they can't know that it exists. Like, because they they have to know that they're coming from somewhere. And they know that originally they came from space because Dapu said, like, these these bad dudes are from space. But, like, if Dapu knows... Dapu does know about Barabarian. We know he was on Barabarian in the first episode. Yeah, but, well, Dapu is terrible. Yeah, he seems though. to have never told them. Because they're just driving around Tokyo instead of flying into space with their giant robot. Yeah, well, it's not as bad as his poor parents, who we're about to see. And they're just, like, desperately wandering around. Oh, they're, like, looking inside out, of trash cans. They're looking, like, anywhere that he could possibly fit. Even places... Like, calling out for their son. Yeah. Signal Man rolls up on them, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh my gosh, Signal Man, have you seen our son? We really hope that you have, because, like, this is not a good scene right here. And he says, uh, I have not. Oh, the parents do mention something about the Bozoak. Like, they know that the Bozoak have taken right. him. I'm not sure when they get this, but they know. Uh, he, Signal Man, is like, listen, like, I get it. I also have a son. Like, I, like, I'm doing everything I can. Like, I am horrified. You know, like, I, Ichitaru is very special to me. And the president is like, yes, like, thank you, Signal Man. I appreciate it. The mom very reasonably points out, like, the only reason that this has happened is because he associates with you. Right, like, because you two are, like, best pals when the Bozoak de- decided to get somebody they grabbed our precious boy. This is 100% your fault. Yeah. Which is the, not a bad point. Yeah, no, that's totally reasonable. Uh, the president tur- like scolds his wife and is like, no, like don't say that to Signal Man. He's trying his best. Quote, you can tell from his expression that he's really sad. You very definitely cannot. Because he doesn't have any expressions, because his face isn't a movable robot. Mask. Now, see, Dave, my, my notes have it slightly differently, and I, I don't know which one of us is right, because I paused it, and I really thought that they said, you can't tell from his expression, but he is very sad and trying his best. Oh, well, either way would work. Uh, I think my version is slightly funnier. But anyways, we... Sorry, Matt, for a brief moment, I had a, like, I had a stray thought that, like, oh, we should go back and check. We should do it. That's insane. No, that, that is contrary to the spirit of this show, Dave. <laughs> yeah. So we go from there and we see, let's, I think the version where the president says you can tell from his expression is funnier. Uh, so let's just, can we decide that that's what sure. happened? Excellent. So we go from there to the Bozoak and we see the Bozoak and they, like, teleport to Earth. 
And they're like, hooray, we're going to do the thing. Uh, Ichitaro wakes up. And then he's like, this is horrifying. Uh, and then we go to the base with the rangers and there's like a bozok alert and they're like yeah okay bozok are on earth right. dapu has Great. fallen like, asleep again yeah like now we can I assume that's going to be significant in a different episode soon oh yeah it has to be like they brought it up two times and they didn't make a joke about it right so they don't do anything subtly on this show so that has to be it yeah that, <laughs> that is the least Actually, I'm going to give them credit for that, Matt. That might be the least ham-handed foreshadowing I've seen on this show. So, we go from there. Uh, we're back to Koban base. The parents are, like, angry with each other, and they're fighting. And the president says, like... He says, like, don't hit oh, he, my, like, sensitive area. I, but then he definitely does, like, grab... His job, uh, Dave. The, the phrase you might be looking for is that he asks her not to hit him in his vital spot. That's the one. Yeah, my vital spot. Um, <laughs> I just really. So here's what that tells me, which is a these two have fought before, and b the president is very aware that his wife fights dirty. Yeah, yeah, and is just like mm, don't. Mm, don't do it. It, do, it no. does make him sound like an end of level boss in like an old beat 'em up game. Like, oh, you got you got him in his, in his vital spot, and then it'll start flashing red. <laughs> um, so the Rangers, like, they henchmen, they transform, like, they're rolling out. And Signal Man, this was very good. For a brief moment, I thought he was about to pull them over again. And I was like, dude, Signal Man, can we please focus? But he, well, he does pull them over. But it's only to, like, reconnoiter with them re-Ichitaru. Right. So that's great. So they figure out, like, they look at their GPS and they figure out where the Bozok have landed. And they're driving out there. Uh, they show up and all of the inner evil energy is coalescing. Like, you can see that start to, like, crackle in the sky. The Rangers and Signal Man stand off to the side of the thing they're sort of trying to figure stuff out and they actually come up with a plan like a real yeah, honest this is goodness plan and it's signal man's plan what he says is you guys make a flashy entrance and i will like sneak around back and just get ichitaru right like distract them with your shenanigans and i'll do the real police work basically um, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. And so they do. Like, they go in and they do a super exaggerated version of their roll call. Like, they're not just doing their stances. They're, like, really flailing themselves around. It's a nice touch. And as they're doing that, Signal Man sort of circles around. And, he, and the Rangers are distracting President Gynamo and Zelmoda and all the Wumpers... He has not, though, managed to distract, uh, I believe it is Instructor Richie Hiker. Yeah. Yeah. So Signal Man rolls around and he's about to retrieve Ichitaru. But Richie Hiker jumps out and stands in front of Ichitaru and is like, aha, Signal Man, like, I'm here. Gotcha. And they're uh, about to get into a fight and then something extraordinary happens. Yeah, so I'm not sure, like, how they had set up Ichitaru to be, like, the lightning rod for all the evil energy in the universe. But, like, whatever they did, it happens, and it's, like, about to hit Ichitaru, but Instructor Richie Hiker is standing in the way. So Instructor Richie Hiker just, like... Is he he's like Monstar. Like he just absorbs all the evil energy in the universe. Yeah. And like and he you can see he's like all scorched. He's like, oh my gosh, it's too much energy. But because he is not a child who has been prepared for this ritual, he doesn't like turn into a strong evil drink that everyone sucks out. And plus they're all busy, so they can't do it anyway. So he just like gets zapped with all the evil energy and then kind of collapses off to the side. Now, this is bad for two reasons. Well, I mean, it's not... It, okay, it's good for several reasons. It's good because in this moment, Signal Man is able to rescue the innocent boy. Right. It is bad for the Bozoak for two reasons. 
The first is that, like, it kind of takes Instructor Ridge Hiker out of the game, seemingly. The second is that, for whatever reason, like, it doesn't ferment in his body, or they are unwilling to drink it. And they're all, like, real upset about this. They're like, dude, we do this once a year. It is our favorite thing. You have ruined the festival, and there is no, like, evil vodka for us to get like real, real turned up right, on. Right, right. I did. You've, I, you've ruined this. I whole thing. did in this moment have a thought because you know how in Barbarian, like their headquarters is a bar. Yeah. And before we saw like the full extent of what this thing is, when I saw the phrase like, "Oh, it becomes a strong drink that all the Bozark drink together," I was wondering if like everything that they drank in that bar was the stuff that they derived from the festival. I don't think that's the case, but I think it would have been a fun idea. Oh man, that would have been really good. But no, I feel like they established that like it's a once a year thing, and that they just like they drink it all like right then. Yeah. Okay, so Signal Man and Ichitaro are running away. And they sort of get clear, and they have a moment to, you know, like, hug. Uh, Signal Man hugs way too hard, because he's, like, calibrated for hugging his own robot alien son, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and each show's like, dude, that's a little, mm, little much. And they, ha- they have a little chat, and Signal Man says, Listen, I really want to go see my son. You know I've got a kid on another planet, but, like, I just can't go when all this stuff is going on. Uh, and they're kind of in the middle of this conversation when they get attacked by H.H. Washoshoi. Yeah, there is a brief moment where, like, they shake hands, and it seems like Ichitaro is like, mm, I get it, but you are making the right decision. Like, you need to stay in and fight evil. Mm-hmm. So H.H. Um, Washoshoi attacks. Um, it's a really good fight. Uh, it's actually, I think, the top top two or three fights, I think, that we've that we've seen in... Uh, Car Ranger. Like, there's just a lot of back and forth, like, a lot of really great, like, suit actor action, mm-hmm. especially considering that, like, H.H. Washoi is a, is not, like, a super limber costume, it's, it seems. Yeah, it, or um, rather, I, I think it's mostly, like, easy to move around in, but it does have, like, a big weird head that is kind of wobbling around that he's kind of, like, he's using as, like, a Yeah, he a sort weapon. of leans into that. There's a lot of head-oriented attacks. Um... But it is. It's a really cool fight. Like, they just... It's a lot of back and forth. Like, you know, lots of... It's cool. Uh, and then... But he does lose. H.H. Roshoshoi does eventually. And uh, he eats some Yuma Yokan. And they... He's giant. And then they summon RV Robo. And then there's a really good fight with H.H. Roshoshoi and RV Robo. Too. Uh, and I was... Remi- okay, this is a very weird thing. I had this realization... I am always cognizant of the fact that the monsters have a suit actor, right? Right. But because you see the giant robots so frequently, I think of them as characters first. And I do sometimes forget that RV Robo has a suit actor. I understand what you mean, yeah. Like, obviously not complete. Like, I don't think they have an actual robot. But, like... Yeah, because like he, I, RV Robo primarily occupies a space in my head of like, oh, a character. Right, and also the thing with the giant robots is that even the ones that are more limber very rarely have the opportunity to like do flips and stuff, you know? So yes. like you're not seeing the vo- the, the suit actor rather do th- like... You like do a lot of like, stuff. There's definitely cool stuff that they do, but it's not as like, oh my gosh, did you see that monster do a backflip? Yeah. Anyway, you were saying about the the suit actor. Oh, anyways, I just they do a great job. Like, there's some very cool stuff in this fight. Um, and then they H H Shui Shui drops an awesome attack. Uh, it's a very it's one of my favorite monster attacks I've ever heard of, just because of the name. And it is the Festival Booth Stand Cherry Candy Attack. And he basically just like wraps them up in weaponized cotton candy. Yeah, and then he's like. He's closing in. He's like, ah, oh, I'm going to eat that cotton candy. Which, oh, and while he's doing this, uh, Signal Man is summoning Tyrander. Yeah. But, like, now, it, it does make me wonder, have you somehow, like, transformed? Like, under that, 
it, like under the cotton candy that you've put on top of RV Robo, has RV Robo magically transformed into cotton candy itself? Because yeah, otherwise, because not. like you eating the cotton candy just gets him free, and then he can kill you. Yeah, um, it is ultimately a moot point because Cyrander arrives and Single Man cuts them free, and then Cyrander like like just ends H H Warshoishwai. Like he does not like. There's not a fight. He like hits him one time, and then is like, "I will destroy you with Siren Vulcan," and then does that. Yeah, man, he shouldn't have messed with Ichitaro. You should not have. Okay, so speaking of Ichitaro, after the fight, um, Ichitaro goes and finds his parents. They are like so thrilled to see him. While they are getting, you know, while they are being reunited, Signal Man again is thinking of his own son and how much he longs to be reunited, but just can't let himself do it. Yeah. So, also, I feel like Signal Man not putting together that the Pegasus employees are the Rangers is at this point like, willful ignorance. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway. Or is it, it is um, at least purposely a joke on the part of the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, that has always been the case. But, anyways. Uh, so. He's like, I want to go back. I, I just, like, I can't. And then this is where it gets a little fuzzy as to, like, is he talking? Is this voiceover? Because what he says is, again, at this year's sports festival, like, once more, I cannot do the three-legged race with you, my signal son. This is not a, a single occurrence. Right. Signal man has apparently never been there. Or at least, like, infrequently enough that he himself is like, oh no, yet again, I am missing it for work. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's, oh my, it's heartbreaking. Like, I had, like, I had, because, like, I'm a dad, like, I had genuine feelings about this. I was like, Signal, dude, go and see your son. Well, like you know who else has genuine feelings about this is Ichitaru. He's like everybody well, else, sure. but specifically Ichitaru. So yeah. Ichitaru walks over as Signal Man is like doubled over in grief. And he says like, hey, Signal Man. And Signal Man like stands up and turns around. And Ichitaru just like puts out his hand. And he says, goodbye, Signal Man. Like, yeah, you... Ichitaru crushes him. Right, like... And there's a look on his face. It's just like, listen, like we're you're my you're my best superhero pal. I love you, and like I don't myself want you to leave, but like, buddy, you gotta go. Like you need to leave. So the Rangers sort of like duck off in the back, and they're like, okay, here's what we can do. Like we should just send him home, and they're like, how are we gonna do that? I think it's Kyosuke comes with the idea, or maybe it's Yuko. They're like. We will like integrate Carnavi into Police Speeder and just set the directions for Planet Police. And then when he gets on Police Speeder, like it will just take him home. And he, so he sort of like won't have a choice. Like we will just, we'll like make the decision for him and we will like do this thing. Yeah. So they do this, but like. At first, I thought that it was going to be like they're putting him on a rocket and shooting him towards uh, Planet Police, but it's not really that. They come back around with the motorcycle and they say, hey, um, I know that you kind of want to stay, but it seems as though Police Speeder would really rather go home. And like Signal Man like, talks to Police Speeder. He's like, is this so? And Police Speeder's yeah. lights kind of flash at him. So is Police Speeder like semi-autonomous? Because I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I guess Police Speeder is like, um, like Thunder Dragon and Crashing <laughs> Dragon, whatever those cards are. Whatever those are. Dude. So, I mean, I think we put this together before that, like, Signal Man is probably, you know, he's like the Chemical King slash Bouncing Boy slash Lightning Lad of Planet Police, right? Right. Uh, I really like the idea that Police Speeder is also, like, an immortal car spirit. Mm-hmm. That, like, bonds with whatever, like, each successive generation of, like, greatest signal man. Like, the signal man among signal men. Right. He is not a signal man. He is the signal man. Right. You know, in in a long line of, like, signal man is dead, all hail signal man. Sure. Well, he is the uh, signal man of that uh, that space sector, at least. 
Yeah, Like the precisely. Green Lanterns. He's, he, I'm oh sure he's gosh. got an oath and everything. There is a... And brightest day. At, there is a at host... Light, uh, I got nothing. Yeah, we'll come up with it later. Uh, there is just like a whole depth of fiction surrounding Signal Man that they're probably never going to get into and I desperately crave. Anyway, so he, he hops on Police Speeder and... He's like having a little trouble controlling it. It's kind of moving on its own, but he does stop it. And then he turns back and he looks at the car. Well, the, 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 the crew of Pegasus Motors, who he does not realize yep. are the, the car rangers. And they say, hey, man, it uh, looks like Police Speeder really wants to go. If you stop it, it's going to get sad. And he's like, oh, really good point. So he just sort of lets it. He gets on and he's like about to roll away. And he's like, hey, Pegasus Motors employees. If you ever see the Car Rangers, like, tell them hey for me. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah. Yes, sure. we will. If, for sure, if we ever see them. If we happen <laughs> to see them, which is not guaranteed, we will absolutely pass along that message. It's great. And in that moment, either Signal Man could absolutely know who they are, but just decide to leave without confirming it. Or he's just a big idiot. Who knows? Yeah, it's great. Um, so, I thought this was going to be the end of the episode. It isn't. We go to Barabarian, and we see the BB Saloon. And Instructor Richie Hiker is, like, all wrapped up in bandages. And, like, his eyes are glowing, and he's, like, flailing around. And then we sort of see in his mind's eye, and Instructor Richie Hiker is seeing some stuff. Right, he's having a vision of, like, a robot dragon destroying things. Yeah, it's like some crazy Mecha Godzilla, and uh, so he's like flipping out, and they're all like looking at him, and be like, "Oh man, Instructor Richie Hiker, like, are you okay?" And then he sort of like explodes up, and then you just see his feet, and like all the bandages fall off, and everybody's like, oh, "Whoa!" And then we see that he's a uh, chroma, he's a chroma variant Instructor Richie Hiker now. Yes, instead of like white and blue, he's now like black and gold. Maybe still yeah. white, but definitely gold instead of blue. Yes, um, looks real cool. It's a cool look. And, I mean, we mentioned before that Instructor Richie Hiker does look very cool, and I, this is even cooler. And he's, like, clearly has leveled up by turning into evil vodka for blood, I guess. And, yes. uh, and he's like, okay, now I've really got a plan to destroy the Car Rangers. Which I really like, because of the characters in, like, of the characters that this could have happened to, like... President Gynamo was already the boss, and he was, like, already dedicated to doing stuff. Zalmoda is already, like, dedicated to doing Bozoke stuff. But Richie Hiker was never really dedicated to doing Bozoke stuff. He was just there because he was being paid to be there. Like, every episode that he has a plan, he's never really that committed to his plan. So the idea that now uh, Instructor Richie Hiker is, like super pumped up and more evil and more committed to his job. Like, that is the thing that is scary. Yeah, before he mostly seemed invested in, like, hitting on beauties on that. Sure. And now it's like, oh no, all, all of his attention is now going to, be, going to be focused on destroying the Car Rangers. And I think that that's very cool. Yeah, so that is the actual end of the episode. Yes, but David, it's not the end of our episode, because first... You and I need to determine where H.H. Washoishoi lands in the Creature Royale. And he's, he's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because the point of this episode is about, like, Signal Man stuff, and the end of the episode is Instructor Richie Hiker stuff. Yeah. Like, we never get, although the fights that we get with H.H. Washoishoi are cool... Like, we, the only thing that we see is, like, well, he likes festivals, and he can, like, shoot cotton candy out of his hand, and he does great headbutts, and the guy in the suit is good at flips. But that's kind of all we get. And that's not bad, right? Like, that's perfectly fine. No, I mean, that... Okay, yeah. So, like, he is fun and cool and not, like, actively terrible and creepy. You know, Dave, I'm looking down... I'm looking down at Archbishop Saw, right? Which is not, like... The bottom of the list, but it's, you know, lower third, it's, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty low. Lower quarter, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Dude, there are 170 dudes on this list at this point. Okay, so Archbishop Saw is at number 136, or 135, rather. Mm-hmm. And Archbishop 
saw is similarly like a dude that we did like and he showed up but he showed up in an episode that was not about him like he was a threat you had to deal with him but he was not the main focus of the episode he was memorable but not like the coolest dude yeah and that is is the vibe of H.H. Wishoyshoy as well right yeah, I think so. I don't think he's as cool as Archbishop Saw. Archbishop Saw is like the crazy, like I don't get Palpatine vibes off of H. Uh, yeah, Shoy precisely. Shoy. Like he's, but like H. H. Shoy is cooler than Man of Jars and Sergeant Cannon. Absolutely, yes. So, uh, em- Empress Juza. No, I think Empress Juza still still beats him out. Okay, so you want to, you um, want to put him at uh, one thirty eight between Empress Juza and Barra Builder? Yeah, I mean Empress Juza, I think is still again like she if she had only shown up for a single episode, I think it, he may have beat her. But she's like a big part of Jetman, right? Like she's around for a while. She has some significance that HH was shoy shoy sort of doesn't have. Right. So um yeah, so spot one thirty eight again. Out of 170. Yeah, the increasingly unmanageable casino uh, creature royale list. Yeah, um, man. Although, dude, I, I will tell you what. Now that we are sort of at this at the end of this episode and about to go into our closing, very excited. Because, like, this is the mid-season pivot, right? Like, we've been kind of waiting for it. And this is the, oh, wow. Like, yeah, this is definitely it. Yeah, like, I mean, I would, maybe in three episodes, I will... Proved to have been made the fool, but it does seem definitely like we are in the pivot moment now and heading into like act two or three or whatever. You know, like no, dude, phase. we definitely like it. Richie Hiker has transformed. He is the new. They wouldn't have in probably like big villain. Right, they wouldn't like, have painted him if they weren't going to have that stick around. Yeah, right. No, this is the this is the mid season pivot. Um, it's at the right time. I'm very excited. This is this is when all these shows like really pick up and, and get ready. Yeah. Well, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of License to Car Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you want to get in touch with Dave about the uh, playtest for the tabletop role-playing game that he made, Ghost Sentai Heroes. Dave, what can the people do? Uh, if you could just email me at uh, Heroes at gmail.com. That's, that's all one word with no punctuation. Um, I will get that info out to you, and I'd be delighted to hear back about uh, what you think. Right on. Uh, if you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, and subscribe there or wherever it is that you get the show. That would be very cool of you. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to all the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>